0: Live from Earth, it's Space Radio. This is Paul Sutter, and coming up, we have a very special interview with Lane Haymont, my agent in the Tobias Agency, all about science, literacy, and of course, taking listener questions about all things in the universe, because that's what this show is about. We record every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern, so call 888-581-0708 to join the conversation. And in today's Blue Shift, I'm going to talk about some very special listener questions. But first, the news... Hello, space fans. Welcome to Space Radio. I'm Paul Sutter, astrophysicist at Ohio State, chief scientist at COSI, and for the next half hour, your agent of the stars. got an exciting show for you today on Space Radio where we talk about all the wonderful things in the universe. This show lives on listener questions. We record every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern here in Studio A of WCBE Radio Columbus. So call 888-581-0708. Light it up. Get those calls in. You can also follow along on our live streams on YouTube and Twitch. Go to spaceradioshow.com for the links and join all the amazing space cadets. Seriously, folks, I've only prepped 10 minutes to show material tops, so get those calls in. So today I have a somewhat different format because I'm out of town today, I'm actually over in Hollywood for an agency retreat surrounding my book and all the other books from my literary agency, the Tobias Agency. And I actually have an interview coming up that you're going to listen to with my agent, Lane Hamon, all about the publishing process and the importance of science literacy is really fun. So instead of news, I'm taking a question right now. And the question from the space cadets is Peter Quinn asking about when when things collide in the universe, like when black holes collide, we lose half the mass or a certain fraction of the mass from the black holes and like what's up with that like just just why why so one of the most amazing things about relativity and this is absolutely so hard to wrap your mind around but it's true e equals mc squared right you've all heard that famous equation before energy equals mass times the speed of light squared I want you to take the C, the speed of light out, that's just a conversion factor, it's just a big number, it doesn't matter. The real essence of that equation, the most important part, what the equation is teaching you, and remember, equations teach us about relationships, and this particular equation is teaching us about a relationship between energy and mass, and it's a very simple relationship. Energy equals mass. Mass equals energy energy is mass. Mass is energy. What does that mean? If I have something and it weighs a pound or a kilogram, there is a fundamental that represents a fundamental amount of energy, a tremendous amount of energy, actually. And if I take, say, a baseball and it's sitting in my hand, there's a certain amount of mass. If I throw it, If I throw it, that adds energy. Now it has kinetic energy. It's moving. It's heavier. It's more massive. A moving baseball, a thrown baseball, weighs more than a baseball in your hand. It's true. I mean, it's super, super tiny, so don't go around trying to measure baseballs uh, because you have to go really, really fast to, to measure something like this. It's true. A hot cup of coffee literally weighs more than a cold cup of coffee because it has more energy. So when black holes collide, they have a certain amount of mass and then they merge in that merged product. The new black hole has less mass than the black holes before because they radiated energy. They radiated gravitational waves. That energy was pulled out of the system. That energy is mass. Mass is energy. They're the same thing because energy was removed from the system. Mass was removed from the system. Mass is energy, energy is mass. One of the space cadets is saying Finkel is Einhorn, Einhorn is Finkel. Who knew that East Ventura had the key all along so that's one question i'm going to do a question later on in the blue shift but for now we're going to switch to the interview i recorded with lane haymont my agent from the tobias agency he's the guy that sold my book your place in the universe understanding our big messy existence to a publisher so that the publisher can then sell it on to you so here we go with the interview greg play the tape all right so i'm here at the Agency retreat with one of the most amazing people in the world.
1: Ah, uh, thanks.
0: The wind beneath my book wings. Nice. And and I go around saying I'm the agent of the stars, which makes you the Lane
1: agent Hamer. to the agent of the stars. Isn't that amazing? That is. I'm not going to use that. Are you
0: going to get a new business card?
1: I might. Every conference I get new business cards. Nice,
0: so nice. So I wanted to interview. I wanted to talk to you just about books and especially science communication through books and the nonfiction world and why in the world you decided to pick up my book and pitch my book to editors and and give people an insight into that process because i've learned so much both from working with you and from this retreat right now and so i'm just curious like what does it mean what does an agent do and and what agency are you a part of
1: well i'm part of the Tobias Literary Agency. And when I tell people I'm a literary agent, 99% of the time they stare at me like I have three heads. So I break it down like I'm a real estate agent for books. So when I saw your book come in, it had a different title. It was called You Are Not Special. Now it's called and being released at the end of the month, November 20th. It's called
0: your Your place place in in the the universe universe,
1: understanding our big messy existence and what attracted me to it was that obviously it was about astrophysics and i'm a huge science nerd i read space.com all the time and you know you have amazing credentials and you're a genius and you (laughs) broke it down in a way that is so funny it's hilarious and what really got me to it was that it was astrophysics and sort of this interesting bent of dark humor and it automatically made me think of lovecraft's cosmic indifference that humanity we mean literally nothing in the universe and the universe exists without us which is sort of totally different than the way it's always pitched even back centuries ago that we're the center of the universe and even if people don't Say that out loud now. That's the intrinsic sense they have, that they describe the universe in relation to them. Whereas this is, we don't even matter. It would go on without us.
0: Yeah, that concept of this is astrophysics with that Lovecraftian sense, that's not how I pitched it to you. Not at all. But that's how you pitched it to a publisher. Yes. So how do you make that connection between what an author presents to you and what you need to sell to a publisher and then what the publisher needs to sell to the general public?
1: I think a big part of my job is it's going to sound stupid, but it's to know things (laughs) so (laughs) that when I see something come in, I can automatically think of a comp. I can take the smallest, yeah, comparable. The smallest minute detail, for example, that, you know, the universe, we just don't matter. We're very small, the universe is very big. I was like, oh, okay, I can relate that because I'm a Lovecraft fan. And that was this whole cosmic indifference, just that humanity doesn't matter in any way, shape, or form, and that the universe is just so big, it doesn't matter without
0: us and that really resonated with you like that little nugget that little concept it did and that got you excited yes and you went on to share that excitement with editors with the hope that you could get an editor excited yes and is that the general path of a book, of an author's excited by a concept, they want to get an agent excited by it, who gets an editor excited by it, who gets a publishing house excited by it, who then gets the public excited about
1: it? Yes, and it's so funny, because each step of the way, that person would be excited for totally different reasons. Like, the Lovecraft, you didn't see the Lovecraft cover. No,
0: that wasn't a part of my, I, my pitch.
1: It just popped in my head, I was like, oh my god, that's amazing it's astrophysics for Lovecraft fans <laughs> and that's how i pitched it and a lot of people loved it but wanted it a certain way that we weren't willing to go and a year later we got an email saying yeah i want to give this i want to Buy this, and here's a boatload of money.
0: So uh, we have to take a quick break right now. You're listening to Space Radio. I'm Paul Sutter, and remember, this show is brought to you by you. Go to patreoncom pmsutter to learn how you can keep this show on the air. And after the break, I will continue with Lane Haymond, the amazing agent to the agent of the stars, to the stars. I'm Peter Sagal. Studies show that the secret to human happiness is a spiffy new car. No, really, it's science. So when it's time to trade up for bliss, donate your used car to us, and we'll turn it into the programs you love. Find out more by clicking on the Support WCBE tab at wcbe.org. Welcome back to Space Radio. I'm your host, Paul Sutter. I'm sitting here with Lane Hamon, the best agent in the world, and I'm a scientist. And I can measure these things and I can say them with certainty. And I'm here in LA at an agency retreat, hosted and organized by you, one of the reasons that you're the best agent in the world. And, we, and we're discussing the book and how books are sold. And where we left off, we were talking about when you were trying to sell my book to editors, to publishers, they would say, well, he's not Neil Tyson. So we don't want to do it. How do you, in general, not just just me, but how do new authors, how do new voices get noticed? Because there's always going to be an established player in any genre. How does a new voice come onto the scene? For nonfiction, it's a
1: lot different than fiction. In nonfiction, you need a platform or some type of an amazing story. For example, you're the first person to fly off into space, not die and then come back by yourself like Superman. You would get a memoir. You book deal tomorrow. But if you're a fiction writer, you just need to write a good story.
0: That's the core is a That's good story.
1: You can talk about
0: hooks and high
1: concepts and mishmashing genres, but it really comes down to story because a lot of the books you're reading Or see out on the shelves. They're all the same. It just comes down to voice. Voice and story. Tell a good story with a good voice. That's the key. That's the key for fiction.
0: And then nonfiction, it's also that platform. It's that unique angle, you would say, the existing fan base that you might already have.
1: Yup, yup. And, you know, again, voice and style, which is what, you know, your place in the universe has, because it's that humor. The jokey joke, you know, when you pick up a book by scientists, it's usually, I don't want to say stuffy, but reads very academic. Mm -hmm. And some people don't want to read that type of material and can't read it. They just can't wrap their heads around it. And what drew me to yours is the humor that everyone could get behind it. They could read it.
0: Right. it my approach is like, as you know on this show and the listeners know, it's serious topics, but I'm not gonna take it seriously. I'm it's tongue in cheek. I'm gonna laugh around yes. because I enjoy this so much. Yes. And the things you enjoy you can laugh about, you can play with.
1: Exactly. For example, you know, Neil Tyson deGrassi, let's bring him up again.
0: He has let's a, just trash him. This whole show. Should.
1: He he has a book called astronomy astrophysics for people Astrophysic- in a hurry and just that i was kind of like come on man you, you um, that whole that that's a funny title it's a jokey title mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so i haven't picked it up yet because the whole experience of shopping because, because you, got, you have
0: tons of time on your hand yeah and this is a book for people in a hurry and you're like no exactly that's not me i don't i don't have time to pick it up
1: and read it. <laughs> so I have it. But I have a sense that it's meant to be very fluffy and full of quote unquote non bigly words if we want to go with parlance <laughs> of the times. <laughs> so I haven't bought it yet.
0: Well that's fair. Are you gonna buy my book? I should probably send you a free copy.
1: Uh the publisher sends me free copies.
0: Oh he did? Yeah. Oh they did okay, good.
1: That I'm I send out to people.
0: So there's, there's all these voices, and there's all always new voices breaking in, telling all sorts of stories. When it comes to science and science communication, why do you think it's important to tell these kinds of stories through books instead of other media? Because
1: in other media, you can get, you can get a little information at a time. When you're watching TV, there's so much else going on around commercials. Your wife's running in, your husband, the dog's crapping on the floor. You have to go pick that up. So, I mean, there's so much distraction. You may catch a blip or two. Mm. But when you're reading, you're sitting there. It's just you and the book and the words. And the written words have power because they're there forever. So you have time to go back over the way that one word is in front of the other and maybe where the comma is but in TV you don't really have that ability. I mean you may have TiVo but you're not gonna go back and click 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 click. Study Watch the something. same thing 20 Ooh. times exactly. to like
0: absorb the the phrasing and the cadence it's it's a totally different media and so exactly. that and to you is that the power of books is that kind of intimacy?
1: Absolutely. I can sit down with a book read for three hours laugh cry stuff myself full of chips and not be judged
0: that's cool i'm down with that
1: but you know in the tv i can see myself in the screen and i'm like oh my god look at me (laughs)
0: Look what I'm doing. <laughs> but not what well, the You're distracted. You yeah, can get distracted. Exactly. So it's that intimacy. And so to me as a science communicator, I'm trying to share these stories, I'm trying to connect with audiences. And I think that's what drew me. I know this interview isn't about me, but here I go. Is, isn't it? It might be about me. Is it about me? It's about me but about you about me. It's about me through it's about you through me. Exactly. That's oh, the structure of this. That's that's gotcha. why I put you on the radio. So Love I can it. interview myself for my own book, which is going to be out soon. Love it. Without the awkwardness of you know asking myself questions. Well,
1: your success is my success. So. It really is.
0: It yeah. really is. We're joined at the hip and yep. contractually. Yes, We're all exactly. We're also joined. Um, but yeah, yeah, and so... As a scientist, as a science communicator, I'm trying to connect with audiences. And that's what drew me to write a book was this is – I can tell stories in a book that I can't tell on the radio, that I can't tell in a podcast, that I can't tell through articles, I can't tell through TV. This is the only medium to tell certain kinds of stories and connect with audiences in certain ways. And you see that from an agent perspective representing like – Four dozen authors, something like that? Yeah, something like that. Across genres, that it's these are people who want to tell stories in a particular way. Yes. And your ultimate job is to connect the authors to publishers, but really your job is to connect storytellers to audiences. Yes. And you help facilitate that. Exactly. What is the biggest challenge you see for authors in general? This is going to sound really
1: mean and harsh, but having a crappy story, not having anything interesting to say. Oh, wow. I'm going to be straight up. I get a lot of you know pitches for people's stories about how their grandmother walked across the country. I, I had a grandmother. My grandfather hiked across the country when he was 15. No one cares. Everyone has a story. <laughs> you have to have something interesting to say if you don't have something interesting to say at least say something boring in an interesting way
0: Vers- which is what I did
1: exactly which is <laughs> your place in the universe it's there's a lot of books on astrophysics but you told it in a way that is amazing and it will attract a lot of attention and already has starred review in Publishers Weekly there is that there is that. Thank you for that, for trying that. You're welcome, that. because that's, a, that's an accomplishment.
0: And I really honestly can't thank you enough because I entered this world 100% ignorant. I, I wrote, I looked up online, like, how to pitch a book. Hmm. And I followed the instructions, and I developed a pitch, and then I looked online for how to pitch an agent hmm. and who are agents and what do they do and how do you get connected to them. And I was very lucky that... Uh, you, you saw where I was going you wanted to jump on that train you wanted to try something and you had to work really hard like unbelievably hard not I enough heard. that I want to give you a higher percentage but <laughs> let's, let's be clear about that That's great. But, but, but you worked really really hard to take my vision and, and bring it to market and bring it to a publisher and that is no small feat of getting other people on board with the exact same idea and so I can't thank you enough I look forward to pitching more books.
1: Absolutely. We're going to make it killing. Yeah,
0: we're going to have a whole series. Am I might go into romance? I've been inspired this past week.
1: Oh, I don't know. Okay,
0: okay, we'll talk about that off air.
1: I don't know. I like my science.
0: <laughs> uh, where can people find out more about you or follow you on social media?
1: You can find me on Twitter at Lane Haymont. You can find my website or the agency's website, thetobiasagency.com. You can find me on Instagram if you're on Instagram, Lane Haymont. That's really it. I try to stay off social media because it's crazy.
0: That's And I'm working. You're busy. I'm busy. You're busy. All right, thank you so much. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Paul. Anytime. I'm Paul Sutter and you're listening to Space Radio and this is the blue shift. For this, I wanted to answer a question from Campbell Duncan asking about the the solar eclipse and especially total solar eclipses. Is there anything we can learn from that that we can't using a coronagraph? So a coronagraph is, it's a little tiny disk you put at the end of a telescope to block out the light of a sun so you can see its atmosphere. And there are a lot of things that you can learn from observing a total solar eclipse that you can't from a coronagraph. One of the most important things that you learn is that if I want to observe a solar eclipse with, say, a thousand telescopes of all sorts of different sizes, I can't equip all of them with a coronagraph. I can't do that. And then all train the observations at just the right time, you know, to observe the sun simultaneously. No, I can't do it. But if the moon acts like a coronagraph and blocks out the surface of the sun and I can see the atmosphere, the corona, well then every telescope is suddenly automatically equipped with a coronagraph and I don't have to do any coordination. I just have to wait and I just have to look at the sun with my telescope and I can study the Corona. I can study its atmosphere without having to equip it. And I can do it from multiple locations with multiple kinds of instruments and with different wavelengths and different apertures in different locations to look at the time evolution of this. It's perfect. It's perfect. So solar eclipses are actually great great times to learn and we also learn about a lot of it from eclipses about our own atmosphere because if you experience the total solar eclipse you probably notice how it got dark it got cool and then it got warm and light again at the end of the eclipse we can study how our atmosphere reacts to short variations in intensity from light and we can learn about the relationship between our climate and the sun so tons of amazing science from a solar eclipse that you just can't get anywhere else super fun question thank you very much campbell duncan of the space cadets watching on twitch and youtube right now and unfortunately this broadcast is almost done thank you for joining me on this voyage of space radio once again i'm paul sutter and this show is brought to you by the ohio state university department of astronomy learn more at astronomy.osu.edu this show is also brought to you by you go to patreon.com pmsutter to learn how you can contribute thanks to greg mobius for producing dan Michalko for being awesome Nancy Graziano for wrangling the space cadets and all the fine crew at WCBE radio for making this show possible. We record every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Call 888-581-0708. to Join me on the air. Also watch the YouTube and Twitch live streams. Go to SpaceRadioShow.com for the links. And of course, thanks again, Earthlings, for listening. See you next week. And remember, science is for sharing. End of transmission.